Hey, what's up? It's Bond, and today on a special episode of the EchoCast, I am going to speak to N7 Legend. This is actually their second appearance on the show. Uh, we spoke over the summer and had this kind of loose agreement that after N7 Day for Mass Effect, we would get back together if there was something to talk about, and we would have a chat. Uh, so N7 Day came and went. We had plenty to talk about. And now you have uh, about an hour and a half of of, uh, of us throwing out theories, laying down facts, and uh, just having a good chat. So um, please stick around. Uh, check out the description for links to his content. And uh, I will see you after the show. Well, today I have N7 Legend with me, and we are going to nerd out really, really hard about the uh, 2022 Mass Effect N7 day. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Bond, thanks for having me back. Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and even more so about Mass Effect. I, I just can't wait to dive into some of the stuff. Yeah, so um, we're going to jump right into it. We have a lot of stuff to cover, um, and so we're going to start with the blog. Um, I guess we can kind of start off with, uh, we can start and probably end uh, with uh, just how did you feel in general about everything that they showed us on Monday, on N7 Day this year? Well, you know, it was it was uh, a surprise. It was a lot to digest, and I'll just walk you through, you know, what was going through my mind uh, during that day. So that was an extremely busy day at my day job. Uh, when all of this news was breaking, because as you know, I'm a journalist in my day job, and so I'm covering other breaking news. So it was like I had like, okay, so you remember when Liara is the shadow broker and she first assumes command and there's all those screens with all the different all the voices. Exactly. That is exactly how it felt for me when I was trying to track and, and be a good employee and do my day job. And then on the other screens and on my phone and I have all this mass effect stuff blown up and I'm trying to keep up with it. I'm out in the field reporting on like, you know, this, this terrible uh, snowstorm in this pass and how okay. all these truckers are getting in accidents. And sure. And it, and it, <laughs> it was just like so much. It was information overload. Ironically, I felt exactly like Liara in that moment. <laughs> And well, so I, trying to, I remember messaging you on Twitter and you being like, wait, what? What did they say? <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, I was really trying to keep up and I couldn't. And that's a good thing because it meant that there was so much that they put out. Sure. Uh, I talked with you before in seven day and I was like pretty I, I was pretty skeptical that we would get anything of value. I was convinced that maybe we would get another poster or one piece of concept sure, art sure. for people to go way too much into speculation <laughs> mode over. But now we have a veritable treasure trove of things uh, that we can go into speculation overdrive for. Sure, which let's do it. So I will preface this whole um, uh, podcast and or, or video, whatever we're going to call it, um, with uh, – we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about. Um, if you listen to the show, um, that's fine. Uh, we'll do our best to describe what we're looking at. But the best way to, to do this is probably gonna be to watch the YouTube video because I'm gonna have um, the video of what we're talking about on the screen. So I do suggest that if you can. Uh, if not, we'll do our best to at least vaguely describe what we're talking about. Um, and we're gonna speculate a whole bunch. Uh, and we will try to make sure we separate those two things. Uh, it should be fairly obvious, though. Yes, so I, I will. I'm going to go into Charlie Day conspiracy <laughs> mode for, for all of you who who watch 
um, it's always sunny. I'm going to be sure. asking who is Pepe Silvia. So, <laughs> so we're going to start with the blog. Um, I, I will say that purely from the text of the blog, I don't think there's a ton to go on there. Um, I, I think that uh, at the beginning of the blog, they do confirm and kind of reconfirm that they are in pre-production. Um, and so what they're kind of saying there, at least in my opinion, is we're not in full production yet. So hold your horses, everyone. Like, chill out. We're still putting the team together. Um, and then um, I, I do I do think that there is at least something to be taken from this line at the end of that paragraph of, um, you know, they're, they're talking about the team um, and say they've been uh, hard at work crafting new characters and locations that you'll love, as well as revisiting many that you'll remember. That's a notable line to me. It's notable. Yeah, because min revisiting many that you will remember. So I know that this is probably some major copium from me. Uh, however, I think that indicates that there's a high likelihood we're going to see some locations in the Milky Way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, they're, they're, they're beating around the bush a little bit, but I definitely think it's um, I think it's a little bit notable. Um, after that, they kind of talked about um, their new talent and how they have people who are veterans to the franchise and new people coming on. Um, they they point out four of the like main directors on the game. Uh, so the first one being Mike Gamble, which if you're following the development of this game, you should know who he is at this point. Um, and he is the project director. Um, so he's essentially the head honcho. I'm going to skip Danielle for a second um, for a reason. Um, yeah, Mary DeMarley, which was, this was such a big deal, um, for people paying attention. Um, she, uh, worked on the last couple of Deus Ex games and the Guardians of the Galaxy game. That was, in my opinion, game of the year last year. Um, the story of that game is just fantastic. Um, and her involvement is, I think, indicative of some things that we can expect from the narrative, some concrete themes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'll save that for when we really start dissecting That's uh, what we got. Yep. And then they have Parrish Lay, who I'm a newer Bioware fan um, with the Legendary Edition, basically. Um, but I uh, I am at least aware enough to know the legend of, uh, of, of Parrish. So this is good stuff. Um, the reason I waited on Danielle um, ends is that because I'm a weirdo, I pay attention to Bioware's hiring page. And over the last year, um, about a year ago, I think they had 10 or 12 listings for Mass Effect specifically. Um, and they were mostly director jobs. Um, as of now, there's zero. As of now, they've hired for every single position. Um, Mary DeMarley was one of them the, as a narrative director. And on Sunday, because I checked, they still had the development director position open on BioWare's careers website. And then on Monday, it was gone. And they, on this blog, announced Danielle Inns as the, the development director. And so something I've talked about in some of my other content is that they're still in pre-production. Don't get all freaky. Don't get weird. But them having all of their directors hired is a huge deal. That, that's, it's at least progress. It's, it's all of the head honchos are in place. And now they can start making decisions because when there's directors missing, I talked to a triple A dev from another studio. I know because I asked, I'm like, you know, like, what does it mean to have all of your directors and what does it do when you don't? And basically what they said was like, when you don't have all your directors, you have to assume that person's decisions until they get there. 
the development director is probably a pretty significant person to assume what they're going to want. And so um, I think this was a cool part of this blog. Did you have any thoughts on it? Yeah. So, I, you know, admittedly, I am not too familiar with the legend of Parish Lay. Uh, so maybe you can clue me in as, as well as some of your listeners who aren't. So I'm sure someone will correct me. But from what I looked into before, he was the cinematic director um, for Mass Effect 3. So if you think oh, about all man. of yeah, <laughs> so and and he's the creative director for the franchise now. And um, so people need to realize that when the word franchise is in there, that doesn't just mean the next Mass Effect game. That means anything Mass Effect related entirely. That would even include other uh, media projects. So if they do this Amazon TV show, if they do more books, if they do more comics, um, I would imagine that they're actually the ones in charge of that. And say what you will of Mass Effect 3, the cinematic side of that game was pretty damn good. I think that's one thing we should universally probably agree on. Uh, (laughs) 110%. And you you can feel free to edit this out later if you want. I don't know about the audience, but cinematic director for Mass Effect 3 now the franchise creative director please stop i can only get so erect yeah sure yeah no i agree it's this is good like what we see here this is good stuff um especially for like someone like myself who like i've followed the pre-production and production and release of other triple a titles and them telling us this is crazy like like i don't i really hope people realize like say what you will of ea say what you will of bioware um, I'm fairly new to it, so I don't know what they were like before Legendary Edition, basically. All I will say is that my involvement with other AAA developers and publishers, I've never seen this, let alone that we've had like three of these blogs this year, let alone that we have this in seven day last year, we got a good amount of info too. let alone, you know, like this is like legitimately really cool shit like i think like, it goes miles to to prove that they are being transparent in their development process i think we can extrapolate from that that they they understand and they're quite aware that the for everyone who loved mass effect andromeda there were people who just weren't that impressed by it yeah and you know if you love andromeda if you don't you have to admit the reality of it and the reality was that andromeda fell flat in comparison to the original trilogy in terms of a, if you're looking at this from a business perspective from from a meta point of view from a high up right like yeah i'm like, not like judging the, the narrative tr- i'm just saying that the success of andromeda was measurably lower than the original trilogy and i think that it and we should credit bioware for this because too often we see artistic people uh and and that's exactly what game devs are they're artists at heart Mm -hmm. um we see artists fall in love with the art they've created to the point where they they don't want to accept the uh the negative criticism that came their way from it yep it's it's definitely it's a the, the way that they've treated this and what's wild to me is that if a game developer was treating one of their far off future projects like this. And this was the only project they were working on. I would be impressed. The fact that we know they also have Dreadwolf, that's deep in development at this point, which they recently announced hit alpha. Um, and is probably coming out in what's really interesting about Dreadwolf. We, I think it's, I think it, it's worth talking about Dreadwolf because that impacts this game. Um, this next mass effect, um, so when I touch base with some people I, I know, and then even I watch a lot of um, Jeff Grubbs, 
uh, podcasts and stuff, he he has the inside line with EA. Like, if you want the inside line on what's happening at EA, Jeff Grubb, say what you will about him with some other properties, he knows EA stuff. And he's been saying he thinks Dreadwolf is coming late 2023, early 2024. Now, Mark Dara, formerly of BioWare, um, put out a video right after the alpha announcement for Dreadwolf. And he said that the alpha to release for... Um, how am I going to forget it? The last Dragon Age game. Uh, Dragon the, Age Inquisition. Inquisition was only six months. Now, that you could tell. Like, like Inquisition was very well received and is still beloved by a lot of people. It's also pretty rough. Um, and so, but he's even saying that he would say that it shouldn't be any more than a year of until Dreadwolf comes out if they're in alpha now. And I think which that's is, fair. I do too. I think next holiday makes sense. Like probably late next fall. And then, and the reason that matters to Mass Effect fans, anyone who's listening to this podcast, watching this video, is because production for Mass Effect will probably start, well, it, ha it will start after Dreadwolf comes out. Um, that's when, because the bulk of their devs, I, I believe someone said they have around 800 employees. That would lead me to believe they have probably around 600 game devs because there's support staff, there's management, there's HR, you know, they, there's custodians. Like it's, you know, they aren't all game devs. Like the, the accountant isn't coding mechanics in the game. So people have to realize that Dreadwolf probably has like 500 people working on it. And I would imagine there may be a team of 50 to 100. And that's even like concept artists. Like those aren't people who are sitting there like shaping an Asari's eyes. You know, that's people who are um, helping Mary DeMarley write the story, um, writing dialogue lines, probably getting into that stuff. People doing concept art, like all this stuff that we've been seeing and that we're going to talk about. Um, but Dreadwolf's release date matters to Mass Effect fans, even if you don't care about Dragon Age. Um, and I think the quality of Dragon Age, Dreadwolf, um, even though I don't really know if it's going to directly reflect on this Mass Effect game, um, in the public eye, it's going to. The excitement about Mass Effect is going to be affected by Dreadwolf, in my opinion. Definitely. And I think that as soon as they release so you, you're saying that, you know, the, the, the release of Dreadwolf directly impacts Mass Effect fans, to put it quite bluntly. Once they release Dragon Age Dreadwolf, I think you can expect the marketing team to lean 110% full charge, full throttle into Mass Effect. Because yeah. their release is already out. They're going to be, you know, taking clips from the game and showing it. But honestly, the game will be out. The game will be doing it, the marketing itself. Yeah. People yeah. will be streaming Dragon Age Dreadwolf to no end. And I think that it's a good bet that we could very well see tangible Mass Effect 4 or 5, whatever you want to call it, semantics. I see people fight about that. It's pointless. I know. Yeah. Um, whatever you want to call it, the next Mass Effect, we're going to see a lot uh, more tangible things. And I, th I think like cinematic trailers. Uh, oh, yeah, probably for sure. Board. I, I would guess, I think that the gap of info from last in seven day to this year, this one is the longest gap we'll have moving on. I think that they'll give us something next summer for an E3 or it could be tiny. It may be the smallest thing, but they've been radio silent basically beside blogs for the last year. I don't think we'll go a whole nother year with nothing. No. Um, obviously, Dreadwolf is going to be the focus, as it should be. But they I think they also know that they can actually boost Dreadwolf 
by 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 dragging some Mass Effect people along. If they show at E3 next year a big Dreadwolf gameplay trailer with all of the cool shit, and then like a little like five second Mass Effect snippet after that, that will pull that'll get Mass Effect people excited. And I know for me, like I'm gonna play Dreadwolf. If I wasn't a Mass Effect fan, I probably wouldn't. It's not really my type of, like, Dragon Age isn't my franchise. But because I'm excited about Mass Effect, I'm curious to what they're working on. I'm curious to where they're at as a studio. So I'll play Dreadwolf for sure. Like, they're going to get 60, 70 bucks from me where they wouldn't have if I wasn't a Mass Effect fan. So I just, it's uh, it's exciting. Um, but like I was saying, I guess to start this fun little tirade, is that for me, I'm just really impressed that they're being this transparent and they're giving us what they gave us on N7 Day when they're also knee deep, shoulder deep in this other huge project that's had issues, had delays, had, you know, a lot of people are skeptical of it. Um, I don't think they should be, but I understand why they are. Um, so I guess getting back to the blog, um, there was uh, here they just kind of talked about how Mass Effect Legendary Edition. They're saying old fans, new fans, let's be excited. Uh, you know, obviously yeah, up here at the top. One day when we're ready, I love that. I, I'm surprised that wasn't in bold and like 50 font. Um, we'll have more to share about the next Mass Effect. I don't think when I was reading this blog, I realized like when I read that, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't going to have anything in it. Like today's not going to tell us anything. And then right, right. we continued. I'm not going to talk about The Sims. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, I don't really care. Um, you mean oh, you don't I, care about the new Sims wardrobe items? This is a blockbuster I, reveal, Bond. I don't. But what I do care about is I was about to skip over this because, yeah, there's a bunch of new merch. Go nuts. Well, uh, this what is do cool. We see here? I don't think people like I know I even missed this um, initially of I don't think people realized that. um this was in here. I didn't until someone right. I think posted it on Twitter or something. So it's a basic banner photo saying your favorite store in the Citadel. And if you, if you click it, I think it opens up the image. However, it's also hyperlinked to the Bioware store, right? Mm -hmm. So I believe it just so. looks like some, you know, first glance, it looks like some, some basic promo marketing material. But then you look closer and clearly, you know, favorite store in the Citadel, unsurprised to see the Citadel. But what is that planet that is right next to it between the arms of the wards? Or what orbital body is that? Right. that I doubt, like, well, it's, it's an orb. Um, <laughs> sure, and, sure. And I doubt that it's the Death Star. I'll put it that way. Um, but yeah. it, it's small. It's relatively, it's much smaller than the Citadel. And I, I think if you look close enough, you can see the crest of a planet behind the Citadel. You can't really tell what it is. Yeah, that's getting into kind of weird. Um, right. It's a blue it's, kind of hue. It's it's interesting because obviously to me, um, I saw this and I was like, okay, that's an intact citadel. Um, that's a very small orbiting body. And to me, I'm like, okay, well, we know Mass Effect 3 left off. No matter what ending you picked, the citadel is in the soul system. Right and it's, above Earth. It's right above Earth. And even in a lot of the ending scenes of Mass Effect 3, you see that beam is functional again in London. And it you looks see, like an elevator, like, yeah, a nice, used, like a functional elevator to the Citadel you know? from London. And so to me, what I see here is a fully intact Citadel with the moon in the background and probably the Earth. Now, I will say a few people pointed out, they're like, well, it has that aura like it did um, before it moved. 
and that's true. But the one thing that I looked up that I didn't know until just a couple of days ago is that the system that the Citadel was in before they moved it to Earth has yeah. no planets. It's only no, it, the sun. There's no, uh, no planetary bodies there at all. It's a nebula. And yep. that was kind of, I, if I were a Reaper city planner, that's where I would put the Citadel too. So there was no risk of, you know, uh, <laughs> orbital bodies colliding with it. But, yep. um, but now, and, and to note, that nebula i forget the name of it it escapes me at the moment maybe it's the widow nebula i'm not sure but something if you look at the nebula it's distinctly purple mm-hmm. uh, and it has this purple magenta this photo that we're looking at is blue maybe that's just a you know a stylistic change but what's not stylistic and what is tangible is look in the middle of the presidium right there there's Nothing. no presidium tower there's no council chambers it's an empty ring yep and that is exactly where the crucible docked. So yep. clearly, the pres- the presidium tower would have been like annihilated from that. Or, or yeah, because because uh, then I mean that's what that's the reason I've and and I won't go too hard on this because there's lots to talk about. But when when I've seen people say like, oh, the story's been told, like we don't need to know what happened after three. I like it like makes me want to shove my fingers into my temples. I'm like, do you understand? Do you understand how interesting it would be just to find out what happened to the citadel after three? Like right. what and, did and, what did they do with the crucible? Did it blow up? Did it disappear? Did they move it? Did they dis- dismantle it so they could rebuild shit on the citadel? Like like what like like that there's like that one detail is so cool to think about that they could show us. So like I understand why people want to move on. There's people who have been playing this franchise for 15 years. I've been playing it for two. Like I get it. Like I understand that there's people who just don't want to deal with it anymore. They want something new. That's why they liked Andromeda or whatever. But, like, you can't tell me that there aren't cool stories to tell still. Even something as mundane as what happened to the Crucible. And so, There like, are certainly a lot of cool uh, stories left to tell. And I think there are narrative ways for them to escape the uh, far-reaching ramifications of your choice at the end of Mass sure. Effect 3. And we also have to keep in mind that this is fiction and the rules are made up. They can do whatever <laughs> the they f- can do, whatever they, they can do, whatever they want. they want. And I've said for a long time that with series like this, Mass Effect is a really good example. Like when I look at these type of games, I look at a game like Fallout and a game like Mass Effect. For me, when I play a Fallout character, that's a blank slate that I can make me. That is me. I can make them now, obviously, like New Vegas and, and all of the games have had some backstory. But for the most part, I think they do a good job of letting it be pretty much a blank slate. Where with Mass Effect, that wasn't the case with Shepard. He had a very distinct history and you could choose, you can, you could make some, but for the most part, he was a defined character and I've made the argument before, and I don't expect anyone to agree with me. That's totally fine that I think he's Bioware's character. When I play Shepard, that is not me the way I play. So I agree with you to an extent. I Mm -hmm. think that they gave Shepard this, uh, very laissez-faire kind of, uh, background for you to build upon your own image of Shepard. I think that it was just enough narrative direction where it was, it wasn't blinders on a horse, but it was more of encouragement where to go. Uh, You know, it wasn't, you could pick the background, you could pick the psych profile, but uh, and uh, and in some ways it was the illusion of choice because it was just three choices for each, Mm -hmm. but it still felt like yours. And how many people do we see talk about Shepard with their own head cannons about their own shepherd, and who's going to correct them? It's their shepherd. You know what why I mean? Why would like, you? Sure. Why would you? Don't be that dick. Um, <laughs> but 
but moreover, Shepard, uh, whether Fim Shep or, or Bro Shep, it was your Shep. Sure. And I'm interested to see, even if Shepard isn't in the next game, and and believe me, I'm a huge Shepard fan. I literally named my online alias after in <laughs> seven. Um, I'm a huge Shepard fan. I'm not going to be too tore up if they decide that in the next Mass Effect, they're going to have a protagonist who maybe a you know the, you you can't change the last name for sure. for voicing purposes, mm-hmm. but you can pick the background again. You can pick the psych profile again, or or something relative. Sure. And you can pick all these other things, but at the end of the day, you're still an in seven protagonist. That's what because I'm I, assuming. Because I yeah. think that gives the the protagonist this amazing uh and the player this this firm window through which to see the galaxy. And it's sure. a good point of reference when you're dealing with so many things that are foreign and, and quite literally alien. Sure. Yeah, I think it's like my whole thing is um, I, I would love to play a Shepherd for another game. I'm a new fan. I haven't been tired of them. I get it. I'm also fine. I, I guess the point I was getting at is that the I, I don't necessarily think that Shepherd is mine. So if Bi- so Bioware can do whatever the hell they want. They, they, they can pick whatever ending they want. They can they can have Shepherd again or not. I don't like that's fine because it's I guess for me, they can pick when it comes to canon and stuff like that. They can do whatever they want. They can take everything into account. They can pick one role. They can do whatever they want to me. And it's not really, I mean, I might be annoyed if they pick a route I don't like, obviously, because I'm a human who's selfish. But like, I, I've accepted at this point, like maybe they'll do a canon line of, uh, they'll canonize synthesis, uh, and, and we're doing Andromeda too. That's not what I want from the next game. And there's the other, but that's fine. Like that's whatever. Like I want a good game more than I want my ending. There's the other possibility that they don't really have to canonize any of the endings. Uh, Sure. Either, either they, they, they choose the setting with precision in which the events were lost to time and no one really knows, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So they could sidestep it that way. They could straight up retroactively just do what, change it. (laughs) They could change it. They could retroactively change it or, and, I've thought about how would they do that. And personally, Shepard was the only one on the Crucible and the, the Citadel Presidium platform talking to the Catalyst. Sure. No one knows what happened. Shepard's yeah. the only person who did. And in most of the endings, Shepard is dead. Sure. And even if you get the Shepard breeze at the end ending, it's a quite likelihood Shepard's going to die from their injuries. Sure. You know, and, and so they could take that any direction they want. They could even take it the direction of no one knows what happened and the cat of whatever. And the player knows the catalyst lied. So sure. and the catalyst lied, not being not saying that it was indoctrination theory, not saying that, but rather, yeah, yeah. what if the control ending, the synthesis ending, the destroy ending, none of those actually happened? Sure. And what happened was the crucible fired reapers, reapers died or were evaporated or went somewhere. No one knows. And all the galaxy is left with is a bunch of destroyed shit. Sure. The get the geth clearly still around, uh, in the next mass effect. We, I think it's safe to say that given the the teasers and what we've heard, there's been such, I mean, the the poster last year, I think made it so clear that the geth will be involved. And so, yeah. I mean, that was a giant geth in that poster. <laughs> like, I mean, I think right. it's pretty obvious. So, so, so yeah. exactly. Like, what what if the catalyst just 
lied, and none sure. of those options were actually what happened. Uh, and we don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the mystery in the next Mass Effect is kind of to what happened, <laughs> re, what happened, as sure. well as uh, the the antagonist. But I think we should get wait to get into yeah. the antagonist no, part until we you're get good. lower in this blog post. Yes. So, so yeah. So I think it's at least reasonable to pretty timidly say this is probably now i will say about the detail in the middle in theory i guess technically this all of this stuff looks like it's like really low detail so maybe they just didn't put that detail in i don't know i do think it's interesting the ship at the bottom and, I've, yeah. and it's so what i love about it is that and this has no shade to anyone but you can definitely tell where people's fandom lies when they see like seven pixels and they're like that's definitely the tempest or that's definitely the normandy or like you know whatever it's like because yeah. it's who knows we have no idea who and, knows and, and we're not supposed to know yeah, <laughs> like that's not. the point <laughs> but if you look closely there is that that characteristic blue ftl uh kind mm -hmm. of contrail behind the ship mm -hmm. and what's so interesting about that is it's glowing off of one of the arms the wards but the wards normally is blank would be full of people and, and buildings and shit and mm -hmm. buildings and lights but they're all empty so it looks like this is a completely desolate citadel it could be the first time, like, I mean, and that, again, that goes back to things that they could show us, like, the first time we go back to the Citadel after it's been repaired, because, like, I, I've seen people like, well, how would they fix it? I was like, those, like, I assume the Keepers, I mean, uh, that's, like, they what they it? do. I, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how they would fix it, but what I do know is they built the, the Crucible in, like, fucking, what, four to six weeks? Mm -hmm. So... That was something that had never been done before. Of course, they had the entire unified uh, might of the galaxy working on that. Yeah. However, they're all there, though. It's 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 <laughs> in any ending you pick, the mm -hmm. Reapers are either cooperative or they're gone. They're destroyed. Mm -hmm. So in any ending you pick, the feasibility of repairing the Citadel and repairing the mass relays is is quite possible it's plausible because well, they can e either reverse engineer the reaper technology from the corpses hell they made the thanix cannon from sure. just sovereign uh, sure. and then they they rolled that out into different fleets across the galaxy within what like a year so yeah. I, I think it's entirely plausible that they could reverse engineer or with the help of cooperative reapers fix the citadel fix other things that were destroyed uh to to set up a, a sequel and make that entirely possible there's a line to um in mass effect 3 i remember i think it's after the cerberus attack when um someone says i don't know if it's um the csec officer or someone else says something like uh yeah those those keepers just fix like we'll fix stuff we'll put up a wall and then the next day they've removed it and put up a better one and and they, I think they even mentioned like like we'll move stuff to the right spot and then they'll just do it. It's and a so you to them, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and so like in theory, you could think that like if an arm broke off the citadel, they could kind of just push it back. And because I and this is getting in. Actually, I'll wait for the, my next point until we get to the bottom, like you were saying. Um, so so I think that's interesting. I think that that is concept art of the citadel attached to Earth, and that's the moon in the background. That's my wild speculation about that and i don't think it's that far out of any setting that it could possibly be the mo there the most evidence is there for the fact that that is the moon that that is hovering over earth and that it's post mass effect 3 in my opinion because there is no citadel uh tower and that's fucking cool <laughs> 
Um, so we go down and uh, this was all the merchandise stuff. And then we have a letter um, from Mike Gamble. And if, if I don't necessarily want to sit here and read it like we're in kindergarten, but I don't think that he really says anything that crazy. Um, I think it's more just thank yous and things like that. Um, but then obviously we come down to the bottom and I, I remember footage. So what was so funny about this is that when this was first posted, this is the first time I've actually seen this red bar. When this was first posted, it was just a little hyperlink at the bottom. It was just like a little blue hyperlink. And so I think I'm sure people missed it. Like, because I did at first, I was like, okay, a picture. Uh, okay. I remember being like, okay, this is like last year. They're just going to give us a big thing of concept art. Oh, cool. It's that concept art I saw from like six years ago, whatever. And then I remember being like, that looks different. Like, I don't think the concept art from like six years ago looked exactly like this. Um, and it didn't because it definitely didn't have all this stuff. So um, I have a better picture of it here. And and here it is. I would say this was probably uh, there was a bunch of cool stuff on N7 Day, but this was probably the crown jewel or, or whatever, I guess, um, is uh, what we see is what we presume um, to be. I mean, it's pretty uh, it looks a lot like a relay, um, but it does not look like one that would have been produced by the Reapers. Um, it looks uh, man made or not reaper species made um, it looks I, human architecture it looks me. it looks like alliance it looks like cerberus it looks like that um and there's a bunch of little details to see in it um my favorite thing that i've seen people freak out about is this little ship uh that we see here and in the actual video it's like slightly moving the one thing i think people um i don't think people realize that i think that that the moving image that has the sound and stuff it's a bunch of static pictures and they're just moving stuff. It's not like actual like CGI it's. And, and I think some people thought it was, but I, I don't think it is. I'm, I'm fairly certain it's a bunch of concept art that they've just, uh, kind of edited together to give it some movement. Um, so people have been freaking out about this little ship. Every, of course, it's it's the Tempest. It's the Normandy. It's the Mud Skipper. It's, you know, whatever, you know, your own personal hope is. We don't know. And that's the fun part. Um, I did appreciate some people's pointing out of this, um, of the one to <laughs> the one through seven and then pointing one, out two, that three, four, five, six, seven. that, oh, they're hinting to a new trilogy. And they could be. I mean, maybe like, I don't know. Um, I, I will say that it's probably just some numbers. <laughs> <laughs> However, there is a there is a little protrusion, uh, a bar sticking out from four. Have you noticed that? Uh, and and well, again, you know, you have to consider that this is fiction. Nothing is a coincidence. And well, and this is concept art and this is concept art. They're posting for a hype day. Exactly. Every single thing in that blog um, that Citadel concept art the omega or whatever the red concept art at the top this especially every single thing in this is here for a reason they they they, they didn't accidentally drop some stuff in here and go oh oops like th this is everything's purposeful so i mean that probably is purposeful um, sticking out from four i mean come on like there's i know there's no way that that's not on purpose. <laughs> we we have the big open space in, in the middle, which is, and it's a structure that's obviously in, under construction. We even have a ship who's carrying a piece of mm -hmm. what appears to be a part of that. Um, I mean, it, it's a big relay. I will say what's interesting is a few years ago. So there's an old version of this concept um, of this art. Have you ever seen that? I have. Um, yeah, it's, it's and, not over the same planet. 
it's not it's not the same planet a lot of it looks different and like the ships look completely different in the background and stuff and but back with that art shinobi uh shinobi 602 i believe um is the person on twitter who's like big uh, friends with like casey hudson and stuff like that well he did some speculation a couple years ago saying that he thought that this mr7 meant mass relay 7 and gamble specifically quote tweeted and said it doesn't said that that theory that that theory is not true Mm-hmm. Now that's a couple years old. Things change. Maybe it does. I don't know. But he very specifically called out Shinobi. He quote tweeted Shinobi's theory and said that's not true. Wow. Of course they could be. They could be being facetious. He could be fucking with them. Full well sure. that putting MR on there, people are going to make the assumption that it stands sure. for Mass Relay Seven. However, it could also be an acronym for something else that narrative wise that we just don't know yet. So what I will point out, and this is getting into slight conspiracy theory, I believe Shinobi's specific words in, in the quote, in the quote that was tweeted was this is the seventh relay. Mm. And that's what it stands for. So, so gamble could be saying like, no, it's not the seventh relay, but it is master. So maybe it's, it's in system seven or, mm. you know, like there are other possibilities. Um, other stuff that is, I think, noticeable in here um, is up here in the top left. Uh, I haven't seen that many people talking about this. And as I'm not a big Andromeda fan, so I understand this next game is going to have Andromeda involvement. Gamble has made that very clear. Um, but even I, as someone who's not a big fan of them, saw these ships with these four splines on the back. Um, there's actually a big one right here. I don't think many people notice this one down here in the bottom left. They look like They look like tiny arcs. And well, are um, they tiny or is this? It depends mass on how relay, big the ship is. Yeah. Is this mass really just huge. Sure. Like, sure. They could, they I could very I, well be tiny. They could not be tiny. Um, I was going off of the freighters and assuming yes. that these freighters are probably similar to the ones we've seen in the games and that they're like half the size. I have, I do, I do have like a weird, like super off the cuff conspiracy theory about that. Even if this next game takes place in the Milky Way, that the initiative would have sent the arcs off, but they wouldn't have sent everyone. The the, the initiative yes. would have been, um, and I will say something that a, a long time ago, I always assumed the initiative built those ships and launched them from like a hidden system where no one could see them. I, I started a new Andromeda playthrough a couple months ago. The freaking when that opening scene where they're when they're going to the arc ships are on the other side of the moon. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I had no idea. So, so I thought that's so the that human really arc, at least, uh, at least that one. But I think I thought there were multiple arcs in that shot. I could be wrong because I know like the Quarian arc launched from a different place, and so yeah, so it, at least one arc was launched from, and so that kind of annoys me a little bit because I don't know. Well, we can get into that stuff another so, time. But so I do want to I do want to mention real quick that these arcs are not necessarily indicative of the next game taking place at all in the, in the Andromeda galaxy, because if, if, if we're right, that this is a mass relay and honestly, I don't see any way that it couldn't be a mass relay or perhaps a ship powered by the same technology. Mm -hmm. If it is, then how, and if this is, if this game is taking place after mass effect three, then the, interstate travel for the Milky way has been completely annihilated. The mass relays, with the exception of those that were purposefully turned off before, like the Rachni one, mm-hmm. the most of the mass relays have been annihilated. So where are people, how are people going to get home? 
And if they're undertaking this huge construction effort to build a mass relay, which, by the way, it does say in the bottom left there, relay construction record. Another vacuum dock relay, whatever the fuck that means. (laughs) So I honestly think that that is a pure indicator that this is a mass relay. Perhaps it's not the seventh one. But if you're working on these mass relays and it's a it's a full time gig, I would assume and they're working around the clock, and perhaps there are aliens working on these relays along with humans, but they can't, those aliens perhaps cannot survive on this planet that's below this relay, where are you going to stay? You need a habitation module that's semi-permanent and floating around this relay. The arcs would suffice, especially with smaller arcs. If they're just meant to house the workers, they don't need a, a total colony repopulation. The, the thing I've seen, too, is people pointed out some um, Andromeda fans who are really into it were even saying, like, this could very well. I mean, the, so the technology that the ARCs used, I didn't know that those ships had a special kind of drive that it was like a like a solar sail or whatever that yes, was that, that, that made it go faster. It's like a PCLP drive. There's a name for it. It's in the uh, codex. Um, and it's a drive that is a lot faster. That makes the the one billion mile travel or whatever one million uh, light year travel from Andromeda or from Milky Way to Andromeda faster. What they were saying is that the, that that technology would be known in the Milky Way, but it was never needed because they had the arcs. So there's a very real possibility that after the event of Mass Effect three, they're like, oh god, we gotta find. And I guess the calculation was that instead of taking hundreds or thousands of light years to cross the Milky Way, this drive could go from one side of the Milky Way to the other in a month so that's slower than the arcs so we could very well be seeing these ships using initiative technology just to get around the milky way which would make sense i mean that seems reasonable to me um but i do i appreciate that they put this stuff in here because you can't look at that like even someone like me who accepts andromeda involvement in the next game but isn't like i don't want it to like be in andromeda i mean even someone like me can't look at this and be like i don't know i think that looks like something like that's a very obviously like initiative technology um and i think and i I went back and looked at some stuff and and i swore that we know that the jane uh gian garson or whatever in andromeda wasn't the mysterious benefactor because they they're, they're killed on the nexus and and I went back and watched all of those logs from Alec Ryder's uh, thing recently. And I always thought that we knew for sure the mysterious benefactor was still in the Milky Way. And we don't. But I think it's kind of like suggested. And so I've always thought it would be really cool to find out. It's not like they would launch the arcs and then disappear if they're this insanely rich, insanely. And I know everyone thinks that like the, the mysterious benefactor was t- was the elusive man or the or geth. I've, I've seen all those theories and I, I think it's a new person. I hope it's a new person. I hope it's someone well we've never heard of because that would be a really cool person for the next game. Who's who? I mean, who wouldn't? Who would be the most likely to fill the power vacuum after the events of three? Um, well, this super duper rich person. <laughs> like, of course, someone who has hoarded their power and wealth and kind of uh, shut shut the shutters and closed the doors and locked them. Mm-hmm. And someone who has kind of hid. But I think that we would be remiss if we did not mention that this apparent mass relay that's being constructed has Cerberus colors on it. It does. It's black and yellow. And in the yep. details on the bottom left, I see a lot of private company names. I do not mm-hmm. see military names, and it's worth noting that over and over again, 
this was referred to as an intercepted message from mm -hmm. SA, Systems Alliance. Mm -hmm. So if this is under construction with the Alliance, you know, leading the charge there, why are they not just taking their official footage and why do they say that they have to intercept the message? So, so that, that's where we get to this part. And I think there's a lot to talk about here. So from my... Uh, from what I've taken from it is I, so at first I didn't realize that this was surveillance footage. Um, and one of the tweets that I have tagged um, is that Gamble confirmed it's surveillance footage. He, he straight up, someone said it and he said, yes, but there's more now. We can talk about the more later, but that this being surveillance footage, like you just said, is interesting because when I first saw this, I was like, oh, okay, this is owned by Green Dagger Limited and or it's being made by them. And it's and, but then I realized like what you just said is that no, like this is the Green Dagger Limited is is who's like surveilling that, that's yes, whoever owns. And then the property of Deep Space, Dihau, the SAV, I've seen people say Systems Alliance Vessel. That's that's the assumption, which seems reasonable. And then this pretty blatantly hybrid um, Korean human name for yeah. this, for this, whoever, whatever position this sub Novark is. I don't think However, we've ever seen that. Sub Novark could be Geth. And if the Geth were looking uh, for names. Okay. So. I'm imagining in a post uh, Geth Korean conflict, they would have individual names. They would have yeah. individual names, sure. not for their own purposes. Even if they're still the, not, yeah. Right. But for the purposes of communicating with for all everyone of the else. other organic species, it okay. would help them remember who's who. And where would they draw inspiration for the names? They would draw them from the two races from that the really helped and humans. Them, the Koreans. And okay. of course, I think they would pick human names because of the Systems Alliance involvement in the Reaper War, as well as all of Shepard's deeds to try and bring an end to that conflict. Sure, sure. That's fair. So we have that. Um, and then the Fort Interior use only. We have the SA. The 314, I didn't realize, um, and, and maybe you would remember because I don't. I've seen people say it's either the Rachni system or it's the that's the soul that's where the Turi and the first contact war happened was three and four. So that the first contact war is referred to by the Turians as the relay three fourteen uh, incident. Okay. And okay. And so that that doesn't necessarily mean it was in Rachni space. That's just where relay three fourteen connected to Rachni space. Uh, and I tried okay. I tried to find where exactly relay three fourteen is, and other than it being within Alliance space. I can't find the exact system where it's located, but I do okay. know that it must be in semi-close proximity to Shanxi, the colony which the humans uh, had sure, and the Turians sure. occupied. Um, so the 314 thing, I also want to say we should probably take that with a grain of salt because 314 could be a designation that the Alliance uh, gives to matters of the utmost importance. Sure, it this could is also be incident. <laughs> yeah. It could also be an allusion to first contact. Sure. Uh, and I okay. think that's quite possible that sure. because I, I used to report on the military a lot and they have a lot of codes that they use to designate things of, of significance or protocol sure. or series of events that are happening so that they can relay it, not just in secret, but fast so that they can sure. tell people exactly what they're trying to find out. And everyone knows what they mean just with a quick phrase. Exactly. And so sure. 314, I think could be an allusion to first contact. So this could be mentioning, Hey, we are about to uh, contact a, a new species. 
Sure. Because I definitely think, and this is a sidebar, I 100% think the next game is hopefully, in my opinion, going to involve new species we've never interacted with. Oh, it, in it the, will. Even if it's in the Milky like assuming Milky Way even. Um, because why like, come on like we have to because oh, I mean, there's even ones that we know about that we've never seen like the Rowloy and stuff like that and the virtual aliens and mm-hmm. there's I mean we've it's already in the lore that there's so many species that have willfully shut themselves off from council mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. that perhaps are in the terminus systems that we haven't made contact sure. with yet yeah because um, it's something like don't they say at one point in the series that uh that the council space or like known space is only like like two percent of the, like the systems or something it's yeah. like insanely tiny so and from a narrative um, point of view that opens it up that opens every other mass effect up later so that they can be like mm-hmm. but wait there's more you know um, <laughs> it's, so. it's the it's the ever expanding universe so exactly then from there we have the 11790 which like is just let's a, talk about that Please, yeah like let's the, talk the, about that and, and and so this is part of what we were talking about before this is part of why either they're geniuses or the luckiest people on earth to do this because they could have put a date there they could have given us when this game takes place they they could have put 2190 uh, or whatever. What's the is it, 2290, 2390, 2490. They could have signaled and, and, and settled all of the arguments. They could have said, no, come on. OK, this is the date. Here it is. Because the 11 seven, I think, is pretty obviously in seven. Right. Day. It, it, in seven. But but that 90 is so smart by them because like me, with all of my biases and personal hopes, say, oh, yeah, it's 2190, three, four years after Mass Effect 3 makes total sense um but if someone who wants that big time skip well it doesn't hurt their theory because they can just say no it's going to be 2690 or someone who had like like any this it pleases everyone and it makes everyone mad and i love it because it's how it should be they shouldn't be defining stuff yet not yet and i think that that opens them up they need to eventually (laughs) it doesn't put the writers prematurely in a corner which Mm -hmm. i i was so afraid that the marketing would get ahead Mm-hmm. of the narrative design we've seen it in cyberpunk we've seen it in yep. so many different AAA games it doesn't look like that's going to happen here but i do want to focus on that 11790 because i think there's some things of course it opens a lot up to interpretation but there are some things we can definitively take from this date number one this game is not going to be a prequel oh yeah if, for sure if that mm-hmm. date is relevant at all it's not going to be a prequel because what is that 1990 i don't think so mm-hmm. because humans wouldn't be involved it, 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 it uh, can't be 2090 because that's 2090 too early humanity hadn't even discovered mass effect physics yep. at that point and mm-hmm. so there was no ftl travel and there mm-hmm. was no discovery on mars at that point so that leaves us with you know 2190 2290 20, 2890 well my guess and this is a guess so this part is conjecture but my Fair. guess is it's 2190 because Mass Effect Andromeda began in 2185. The lion's share of all the arcs had already set sail. My mm-hmm. guess, the ones that were left behind during the Reaper War, Reapers would have destroyed those for sure. Sure. Uh, they're, they're sitting ducks. 2190 makes sense because it's also in the reconstruction period after the original trilogy. That's four years after Mass Effect 3. And regardless of the ending, as I already said, cooperative Reapers There'd or be Deadlines. Tons of reconstruction happening. There will be tons of reconstruction happening. And you either, no matter what ending you picked, you're going to have the Reapers helping one way, dead or alive. You know, the carcasses or not. Because Exactly. Another, and I'm sorry to keep doing this, but another sidebar that gets me so excited about the next game. They could have entire side missions where you literally just go and um, like salvage a Reaper. 
Yeah. Because every sweet. single reaper would tell the entire history of an entire, not just one species, but an entire galaxy of high intelligence species. They could have like in the game, they could have like five reapers that were allowed to go salvage and, and they could tell entire stories of 50,000 year cycles of living and existence of these high level creatures that we've never even heard of. They could do completely original stories and, and then like we could like upgrade our ship with it or something like that shit gets me so excited that it, I mean, obviously who knows what they're actually going to do, but the idea of that, like every reaper is like the culmination of entire, not just one species but entire like entire galaxies full of species and how fucking cool that could be oh and they, yeah and it, and it could be a sidebar it doesn't it doesn't have to be the main story it could be a completely separate thing where we you know uh, it, but then you'll hear those people be like oh i hate doing those reaper salvage missions like you know well, but, would it, they hate <laughs> the reaper salvage missions if it came down to we salvage parts of harbinger and then we learn things about the own cycle that had just concluded sure hell that could be how Shepard makes cameo comebacks because sure. you have flashback, you know, sequences. And this this part is pure speculation, but uh, obviously, you yeah, have, you could have you know Shepard appear in cameos as flashbacks because the Reapers of that cycle would have would memories remember. of Shepard. Sure. And so, I also think the 2090 thing is very important it, I, because it's not 2090 because Liara mm. is clearly alive. I think with the continued yep. appearance of Liara in this marketing material, I think we can all agree. Andromeda fans or OT fans, wherever you want the game to be set, I think we can clearly agree that Liara is alive and appears to be an important part of this next Mass Effect. In some capacity. And she was born in 2077. So by 2090, she's 13 years old, which is like an infant in Asari mm -hmm. standards. I yeah. highly doubt that the audio that was playing in the background of this clip <laughs> was an infant is, Liara. Was infant Liara talking to presumably the Geth about how the Council was going to be furious about human defiance? So mm -hmm. just everything points to that not being 2090. Yeah. So I agree. I, I want. I have this compulsion to bring as much as uh, we can deduce definitively to yeah, people for sure. Along with the conjecture and the excitement and, and the and the excitement and and <laughs> no matter where you stand, I think we can mm -hmm. all agree that no matter what, this game is not going to be a prequel and it's not going to be an interquel either. I was I was gravely afraid it was going to be like After a Mass Effect two and a half or something. Yeah, so that, mm -hmm. that it was going to be set during the or two years where Shepard's like dead. One and a half. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, same. So that would that would have been awful. Um, yep. Honestly, I don't think that that would have been fun because we already would have known it would have been a foregone conclusion from the get-go. We would have yep. known where yep. that's going to go. So I don't think that's going to happen. Same. Um, what do you make of those numbers after the date? So I was going to say two more things before we move on from this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the Liara audio. Those numbers, I guarantee they mean something. I have no idea. I have no clue. And, and what's so fun about this stuff and that they're putting all this stuff out is that in three or four years, we're going to look back and see this shit and be like, oh, how did we not know? Like, yeah. it, which is so fun. That's like, that's so exciting. Um, so I have no idea. Do you have any So I, thoughts? this is where I'm going into full conspiracy <laughs> drive mode, dude. Like I'm okay. Alex Jones level of this shit. <laughs> sure, so, sure. Okay, so here's what I think. So this image that we're looking at is the specific image that the In7 uh, Day blog posted. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the video, those numbers mm -hmm. after the date are, are rolling as if this is rolling footage. Yep. So it's like yep. tracking it. However, this image on the In7 Day blog, why would they pick this exact image 
and put right. it on there if those numbers which it's an image so clearly the, the numbers are static mm -hmm. why would they pick those so i do think those mean something and i was like <laughs> racking my brain about what they could mean and i put the numbers into a um like a cryptography uh... decoder and so i put the it's 201.37.23 and i put those into a converter and uh, for visual purposes, I'm going to send you the image that I have from my decoder. Uh, one second, copy. And I'm going to send that to you because I think it's incredibly important. Um, just a second. It's not wanting to uh, copy and paste. Uh, what, you know what? I'll just share this with you later. You can patch it in. That's fine. Fact. That's fine. But the results are for a 201.37.23 if you put it into an a1z26 converter which just means it's equivocating letters of the alphabet to the corresponding numbers this is your a, charlie day moment by the way it is it is <laughs> if a equals one then 201.37.23 translates to ta space cg space w anyone with a um by a, bio, a a basic understanding of biology and uh, who's taken a high school level biology class, TACG will sound familiar to you because that those are the, le the letters in human uh, knowledge that translate to DNA tags. That, those are DNA tags. T -A -C -G -W. Interesting. The w okay. But TA and CG are. So if funny, you okay. Line completely. You see Systems Alliance, first contact, the date, and then sure. DNA tags. That's going I'm deep like, as shit. I don't know. Yeah, deep, and it could. Your, your guess is as good as anyone's. Sure. I, could be I mean, way overthinking this, but I mean, I had zero ideas. So that's. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh man, this might be a coincidence." But this is pretty weird that they translate to to dna tags t-a-c-g everything um, is here for a reason every I mean, single thing is here for a reason it is and i feel so uh conspiracy theorist right now but i also plugged them in do you remember the old days of texting where you would have to do it on t9 a number pad? yes t9. exactly mm -hmm. so so i brought up my number my dial pad right there and i put in 201.37.23 and it turns out that it brings you almost all of the letters that you would need to spell cerberus the only ones that it doesn't <laughs> no shit. give you. Yeah. That's so funny. So the only ones it doesn't give you is U and S. So you have C E R B E R if weird. you rearrange them. Um and it's weird, you know, maybe a coincidence, maybe not. I'm not sure. sure. I'm not as I'm not as confident on that one. Th that's um, one of those things that, like I said, in three or four years, we're gonna look back and we're gonna be like, ah like oh, I'll be I'm, like, dude, you knew. <laughs> I'm no, I'm fully prepared in two or three years to look back and be like, I was a fucking moron. Oh, we didn't know anything. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I, you know, and I do that like everyone else. You know, I you know, I think back to how I was four years ago and I'm like, man, I was an idiot. And then like, but I know four years ago, I was thinking back four years before then and thinking I'm I was an idiot, idiot then. Yeah. So the, the the last bit of my personal completely speculative theory on this whole thing is that um I remember and I don't I think it was fan made, so it shouldn't be taken seriously. But the old version of this art. Um, I remember at one point when I was looking into it because that, that it's interesting. Even the old version is cool. Um, 
I I remember looking into it and I remember finding a render or concept art of a Cerberus ship that was like triangular and had two of these. Now, on that, I'm just, I don't know. Because um, the, I don't, uh, actually no, the old art does have the same color scheme. So people seeing that would have thought maybe Cerberus too. Um, the, the thing I will say is what if it's not mass relay, but what if it's mobile relay? And what if, and, and here's a big theory, what if Cerberus was trying to make mobile relays so they can move large amounts of ships really quickly for war reasons, and then this was one that like the Alliance or whoever found after the events of Cerberus getting destroyed, and now they're trying to co-opt that technology. That's wow. a completely speculative theory. No, but the I mass- think it's quite possible. But the mobile relay thing doesn't sound crazy to me because Cerberus being a smaller force... It's, it's Mobilization matters. Well, you 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 report on military, so you know um, force multiplying. Force multiplying technology is why Ukraine is fighting off Russia right now because they're 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 using their smaller number of resources more efficiently, and so like a thing like this is again I have no idea, but I I look at that and I think like well if that's mobile relay and what if this thing is meant to quickly move around large forces or to escape like what if you have your base and you have one of these with it you can use this to jump away. And you would need the IFF to be able to use that kind of thing. And it's your tech, so other people can't follow behind you. Yep. So, I don't know. Completely speculative. Something to think about. Um, I, I thought it was an interesting theory, even if it ends up being completely wrong. On the time... Some, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, there's also the file name, which I'm sure you have uh, mm-hmm. thoughts about. What, what do you think about the Cetherium system? So, it's that... Um, there's that and then people didn't they look into the metadata of the audio and see that like reaper was mentioned in it and i think liara is mentioned in it like liara's line or something i don't have that pulled up so i don't want to be specific but um do is the cetherian system is that one we've heard of before that's where i kind of okay and i I mean it wouldn't surprise me if this is new right um the last thing i'll say that i did notice and i'll mention it again when we look at some of the other concept art because we're on tab two an hour in um, um, is that the one thing I will say when it comes to the time frames to back up? Because I agree, I think this is twenty one ninety. I think this game's going to take place about three or four years after the third game. Is the design of the ships now? Obviously, we have the interesting design of these new ships that we haven't seen before. But all of these other ships look very trilogy esque. They yeah. look very. And if you look at the old concept art, the old version of this, they don't. They look completely different. They're really smooth. They're white. They have like fins. Like they look like sharks, kind of. They look mm. very futuristic. And the thing I've told people, and and I'll mention this again in the other concept art because there's like sky cars and stuff like that that look exactly the same as a trilogy if this was 100 years after mass effect 3 if this was 500 years after mass effect 3 i would assume that these concept artists wouldn't make the ships look exactly the same oh of course complete speculation i, I have no idea look completely different uh you would think. technology advances you know so yeah. you would think if 600 years has passed milky way technology would have advanced as well unless especially after the reapers because I'm expecting the story of the mass of the Milky Way after the Reaper War, no matter what happened, to be the same way that humanity jumped their technological advancement after discovering mass, you know, Mass Effect fields and all that. I'm yes. expecting the entire galaxy 
all of its technology to jump when they have literally millions of years of research and all because say the reapers are dead like literally millions of maybe billions of years of of these old highly advanced civilizations that probably figured stuff out that the current ones never did and so like so i one of the reasons i think this does take place shortly after the third game and we'll see another concept art is that the tech all looks very trilogy-esque and someone i said that somewhere i think on reddit or something and someone's like well it all looks the same in andromeda too but that's 600 years later and i was like because that technology it it is the old technology i was like come on like like don't let's not do this like like i look come on um last thing that i'll say about the metadata it this this ethereum system i was just curious so i googled maybe what what does ethereum mean and it's not like ethereum from the elder scrolls referring to like you know otherworldly uh, you know astronomical oh no. It's, no it's it's it's, it's a reference to ethereum it's gonna be crypto man oh my this god this is gonna be an no. nft game i'm sorry i, I, I apologize go ethereum, ahead ethereum i googled it and that is the latin genus name for otters so, so <laughs> completely stupid and maybe completely off base, but what this, maybe, maybe this first contact protocol is for a, a race of space otters. I would love that. Because uh, we have the space birds. <laughs> we have the, the space, the space salamanders. We have the space turtles or whatever you consider Krogan. I don't know. Are they like, <laughs> I don't know what they would be. Space uh, turtles. Yeah, like yeah space, sure. I'll take yeah. it. Snapping turtles. Yeah, uh, so, so, yeah, we need our space otters. We need space I mean, that's otters. What, Reminds the, me of South Park. You joke. But the Ravloi that we've never met are literally giant humanoid birds, which yes. I think is really competing with the Turians, even though I've started to think Turians are more space cats. But or raptors. It's, yeah, yeah, sure. So, but um, that's that's hilarious. So, okay. So, so again, this is gonna be one of those things. In three or four years, you're gonna be starting up Mass Effect, whatever, and you're gonna be like, oh, there's the space otters. I fucking knew it. I space knew it. Otter. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have the boot on my head like Vermin Supreme. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I we I, we will finally move on from the second tab to the third. Um, this I'm gonna quickly play the audio that came along with this clip. The original audio was obviously something hidden. It was a bunch of clicks and noises, and then like within like two hours, someone figured it out. And then what I'm gonna play is the official released audio, and then we'll obviously talk about it. Exactly. The Council will be furious. Although, they should know by now not to underestimate human defiance. Perhaps worse, they must demonstrate. Okay. So, before we get into it, I will say that Mike Gamble did put out a tweet where he specifically um, quoted this uh, there's words saying, uh, although they should know by now not to underestimate human defiance uh, by Liara Tassoni. And then uh, it has Dr. Shadowbroker and and then in reference to the person she or the or the thing, I'll say she's talking to us as redacted. Um, or that could be a third title of hers. <laughs> mysterious benefactor. Um it's so so what did you take from that audio what's your what was your initial reaction to it okay so she says the council will be furious number one the council will be furious 
Okay, so we can deduce that the council is still around. Doesn't know yet. <laughs> they, they're around and they don't know about this mysterious thing that isn't disclosed yet. Yep. And, and they're going to be furious. So, A, the council is still around in some capacity. I don't know sure. who's on the council. Sure. And and humans are still around <laughs> because they should know sure. by now not to underestimate human defiance. Sure. This, in my opinion, lends credibility to Cerberus being a major player in the next Mass Effect. Because if one organization comes to mind about human defiance and it's not Systems Alliance, since apparently this is just a message they intercepted. Sure. Who who comes to mind? It's Cerberus. Human defiance. And, and at least an offshoot. Because even though we destroy them, quote unquote, in Mass Effect 3, th there would be tons of them still out there. Like, it's yes, not like... Would. And, and, <laughs> and they would still know, be extremists. They would still be probably well-funded uh, in some capacity would be even more extremist because look at the events of what happens in mass effect sure. 3. if if you're after mass effect 3 do you really think that the people who were already on the fence about trusting aliens are going to be more likely to trust aliens or are they going to cling to their bibles and guns sure those, you know excuse the uh, no i understand uh, euphemism mm -hmm. but are they going to cling to what they know and who they trust which is humans after a genocidal race of sentient starships just came in and wiped out everything sure and an invader they, just went through because the, the way pe the, the way people are is they won't recognize all of the alien species that helped them survive they won't recognize all of the good things that happen they'll recognize this completely understandably horrifying like literally like worst possible case scenario but they will interpret it in the way that they naturally would to get defensive to like you said cling to their guns and bibles to look at the bad aspects of everything that happened um yeah i i i think it's basically impossible to act like cerberus the the echoes of cerberus won't be a huge part of this i think seeing that big mobile relay mass relay whatever it is like again like we've said a hundred times already everything was in there for a purpose the coloring on those things even if it's not cerberus it's still trying it, it, they still want cerberus in here they still want you to think like oh that looks like cerberus colors because you know they, it, it's at least a reference to them and like you said about those private companies like how would Cerberus survive past Mass Effect Three when everyone knows how evil they are? Well, will they, they become an LLC? Of, <laughs> yeah, they have, well, they have a number of shell companies that that, that we mm -hmm. already knew about. Mm -hmm. And I just finished my most recent Mass Effect playthrough, mm -hmm. my first Femship playthrough. Mm -hmm. I finished it on in seven day. I believe you were there in the mm -hmm. stream. Yep, I popped in. And I don't know if you saw it during during my stream, but the elusive man says very very plainly in the last interaction you have with him before he dies. He says, you can't kill Cerberus. An because idea. Cerberus is an idea. You're right. Yeah, sure. sure. I mean, and it has it has strong new Disney uh, Star Wars trilogy vibes about <laughs> sure. the Empire sure. coming back. Right. Sure. And I think that there is a complete reason, especially with Mary DeMarley's involvement in this, mm -hmm. her prior involvement in Deus Ex, the, the idea that this human extremist organization, this cyberpunk-ish, well-funded, evil corporation sure. would be existing in the next Mass Effect. I mean, it just, it seems spot on. Well, and, and what I think people need to be open to is that, and, and, and I don't no, I mean, again, this is pure speculation, but what I don't expect in the next game is there to be a, a new Reapers, a new single big bad. What I expect is something more like Fallout New Vegas, 
where I wouldn't be surprised if there are the remnants of Cerberus, uh, maybe the initiative, the remnants of the initiative, uh, maybe uh, the Batarians and, uh, and breakaway species who are fucking pissed about what happened to them. And, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I've I have a long drawn out theory. I'm not going to go into right now about this, but that we could play as someone, whether it's Shepard, a new N7, something who's trying to go make peace not just not just fight a single war, but try to go around and and either pick up alliances or, you know, hurt other. I just think that I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's not one big bad, if there's a bunch of bads who we're trying to either get on our side or we're trying to hurt. Um, there's going to be a power vacuum. Yeah, there's going to be a power so cool. vacuum. And <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. And it might be the exact reason why the shadow broker, Dr. Liara Tassoni, is such an important role in the post Mass Effect three uh, uh, tr- trilogy, if if it is going to be a trilogy, sure. Because if you're trying to negotiate peace or broker power, you would think that the Shadow Broker is going to be a very important character in this. Well, and and one thing to remember about Liara is that, especially in three, but even in two, you see the power get to her head a little. She's not perfect. And 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 while I don't really want to see this, I've even seen people seen people reference. Um, God, I'm gonna show my ignorance of Dragon Age again. The dude who's gonna be the bad guy in Dreadwolf, the elf. Um, he's your he's one you're, of your referring to Solus. To Solus, I've seen people be like, well, maybe Liara's gonna get Solus, and and she could end up being kind of a sympathetic bad guy in this next game because she's the power broker, or she's a shadow broker. Why wouldn't she want to take more power when it's going to be readily available? And she probably has the best network, has probably the most funding. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I, I think obviously, who knows? The one thing I do want to talk about with this is I've seen so many people assume that she's speaking to a Geth. And I don't think she is. Uh, personally, she could be. But I don't think she is because if you remember... There were multiple times as the Shadow Broker. Um, I think it was when we fight the old Shadow Broker that you can hear people talking, but it's all like encrypted. It all sounds like that, like garbled electronic sounds. And so what I've assumed is that they're surveilling Liara and they're picking up her communications, but they can only pick up her side that they and can't pick up the other side. We know that the Geth love surveillance. So that is entirely sure. possible. And, well, and why would Geth right? communicate with her and Geth? They would communicate with her in normal language. Exactly. Like, so I agree. Uh, I agree with that. I think that it's quite possible. This is an intercepted message, perhaps relayed to the Alliance from the Geth. Because sure. as we know in our current world, intelligence agencies work together for mutual benefit all the time. Sure. So it's 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 really, really interesting. Um, and I, God, man, they did such a good job within seven day. They really did. Um, so this is an image. I don't think there's a, a, a ton. I think we'll get through these next ones a little faster. Looks like Ilium. Um, sure, it looks a lot like Ilium. Um, the one thing people have pointed out here is I've seen people say that that is a an upside down Omega symbol. And I don't think it is. I thought the Omega symbol had a little thing that stuck out here at the bottom. Um, let me see. Um, here, there we go. I can zoom. So I, I don't think think it is i think it's probably just a symbol but again like we've said before everything's here for a purpose 
Um, so maybe it is. Maybe it's supposed to signify something. I wasn't as that sold. Is, that is indeed the Omega symbol. Is it? Okay. Uh, okay. Yes, it is. Uh, that is, is. But is it upside down? Nope. It's uh, it's, it's, right it's the same up, one. And okay. but if you if you look a little bit down into the right on a different building, uh, there is a symbol. The SFXS. Uh, and eh. well, there's the oh. XF, not that. But if you scroll down a little bit more, see the Asari. Mm-hmm. There's an Asari in a building there, and it looks like Asari architecture. Mm-hmm. So. Quite yeah, I think this is Ilium, for I, sure. I think it's I think it's Ilium, and yeah. I think it's quite likely that maybe Arya is diversifying her profile and uh, expanding. So that's what I thought too. Mm-hmm. And the terminal systems. Because I saw people be like, "Oh, this is like maybe this is like rebuilt Omega," and we'll get to that. But I don't think, yeah, no, I, I, I either think this is Ilium or a brand new place we've never seen before. Um, maybe another Asari planet or something. But like you said, this is definitely that like asari architecture for sure um and then i'll point out here this is where i was talking about um here where that transport which has the stx thing on it um that transport looks trilogy-esque and then that sky car is exactly what we saw from mass effect one so that that's one of those main things and and then we see a bunch more of these out here they're all the same design and that's one of those big ones where when people have been like questioning when that date is supposed to be on that other piece of art to me this is like i don't think these i think that they would have gone far enough with this concept art to advance this stuff if they wanted us to think this was supposed to be in the future but Let's see what do I have next. Okay, and then this is the piece of art that got posted by Mike uh, by Michael uh, Gamble um, when he confirmed the Liara um, text. So we see um, down here in the bottom right, uh, like a walkway, uh, like a port of some type. Um, I assume you've noticed the solar electronics sign. Um, that's I actually pretty... hadn't noticed that. Oh, you hadn't? Um, okay, let me zoom in on you. Uh, this, <laughs> I'm very happy to see something new here. Uh, so that's the solar electronic sign, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. That store is on Omega, right? Yep, hundred so. percent. Now maybe it's a chain. Maybe it's a chain store. Maybe <laughs> there's actually. solar electronics all over the place. But people pointed that out early, and I thought it was really interesting. We see these big columns of some capacity um, all out here. There is actually a building here that isn't one of those. But yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of these, these things. these beams of light look like the space elevator from London to the Citadel at the end of yeah. Mass Effect 3. And they very well could. If, if, if this is a similar tech of some 3, type, they could have reverse engineered and been like, hey, this technology is amazing. We can just beam people up to mm-hmm. orbital space stations like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so. so we have three figures here. Um, there's a Solarian, a Krogan, and a Turian. And the, the notable thing about them all is that they're all wearing breathing masks or, or masks. Oh, are they they're, really? Oh, yeah. So here's a tube that goes to – he's wearing a – here, let me zoom in on you. Um, Enhance. <laughs> Enhance. CSI. So you see that yeah. little – so to me, that looks like a mask. They are and then all you wearing see, breathing Well, and so see the little blue dot? And then he has a little blue dot on his too. Or hit or theirs, huh. um, and then you see the tube. You see the even the, and you have to remember like everything's here for a reason. This Krogan has a tube, like like they put that there so you know he has one too, or they have you know. And mm-hmm. then um, and then yeah, and then the Turian here they make it pretty obvious um, with that tube coming off, and then the, the little blue dot. Um, 
I'm telling you, they were smart as hell with this with this shit, man. They did a very good job. And then this is where I'll reference again the sky cars. These sky cars sky are cars. all exactly the same as the trilogy. Exactly. Um, yeah, this stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's elevators. If this is Omega, then maybe these are. This is the new um, Ezo mining stuff. It could be. Um, I, who knows? I mean, all I'll say is, no matter what it is, this is such cool concept art. This looks so. Like it's so ex- it's exciting to look at, and it's a picture. Could like be a new planet as well, hundred percent, where, mm-hmm. where none of the races can natively breed there. Yeah, which because yeah, because that that's the part about it being Omega that made me kind of wonder. Like maybe they're gonna say something happened after the events of the Omega DLC, and it's like toxic there now for some reason. I don't know, but it, more than likely, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a whole new place. Because why would all of these species all have to? Like why would you inhabit a place you can't breathe? You know. Um, uh, maybe because you're extracting very valuable things from that place or something. I don't know. So, but the, um, super cool art. I don't think there's a ton to take from it other than I did think that the solar electronic sign was a really cool uh, little, just just a little tidbit for us. Um, and then this is where I did a big um, kind of Twitter uh, post um, where I, I posted all the same things we've basically talked about already. Um, but then down here, I did kind of a summary of side stuff. Um, the Bioware gear, of course, is going to put out 50 new things a week um, <laughs> that people can buy. Um, I, I will say I have my mass relay back there now. Um, that, that That's actually kind of neat. Um, there's a bunch of other retailers doing merch as well. Um, the Mass Effect items and Sims 4. But the main item here was um, that on in seven day, um, Jess Hera Campbell uh, of mass effect andromeda and uh, dragon age inquisition uh, as well as a bunch of other things um has returned to mass effect or to bioware as the mission director for the next mass effect um we briefly talked about this before the stream and how for me i don't i'm not super familiar with her work um i i've talked a few people in my discord were really excited and i guess her partner also used to work um, it worked on the same games. They both worked at Bioware, but her partner still works at Zenimax. Um, so at least at this point, it's only her returning to Bioware. Um, my takeaway from it was the fact that they're bringing on a mission director for the next game. Um, while they're that makes sense if they're in pre-production, because right now they're doing the scaffolding for the next game. They're they're preparing the outline so that all the devs can get pushed in and fill in the numbers, right? Like that's what they're going to do when they start production. Um, and, and so that was just a, that was a fun little side tidbit for me. And that, that is kind of a big deal uh, that Jess Hara Campbell is coming back. And like you said, even, even though they're in pre-production right now, hiring a mission director, it seems pretty promising uh, yeah. that, that things must be proceeding rather quickly. Yep. Uh, that they are getting into the nitty gritty about what each individual mission might look like. Um, and I know that people had gripes with Andromeda. I certainly did, but I, I always thought that the missions were well thought out, even if I didn't like the writing within the missions, yep. but that's not really up to the mission director. Mission director is far more gameplay yep. oriented. Uh, so I am, I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm, I'm just happy to see that there's mass effect veterans coming back. So that's what I was going to say. My whole thing was. Um, and, and this was a, a message I gave with Mary DeMarley. Mary DeMarley won writer like narrative of the year in 2021 for Guardians of the Galaxy. She is prolific in gaming and all in other types of media. She's amazing. She could have gone to any. She could have called up 
any EA studio. She could have called up any Ubisoft studio. She could have called up, she could have called up Rockstar. She could have called up anyone she wanted to go and they would have taken her. They would have been stupid not to because that's who she is. And she picked Bioware's Mass Effect specifically. Cause I remember when they initially announced her hiring, they, um, they said Bioware. And I remember being like, oh, please, because I had played Guardians of the Galaxy not too long before. And I remember that game is such a it's a call out to a lot of games and media, but it's such a call out to Mass Effect. There's even a specific Easter egg towards the end of Guardians of the the Galaxy for Mass Effect. Um, It's uh, during Drax's mission. You see the little boy from the dream sequences in Mass Effect 3 run across the screen multiple times. (laughs) <laughs> it's and, 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 and I've pointed it out to people who were like, no, that didn't happen. That played the game. I, I have the clip on my Xbox and I will send it to them and be like, look, he and has like, the files like, holy crap, oh, I have the evidence. And I'm like, yeah. And I remember when I played it the first time, it was only a few months after I played Mass Effect the first time. And oh, I remember okay. I remember seeing that kid run across being like. And they never address it in the game. No. Now, uh, without spoiling anything for people who haven't played it, it's a dream sequence. It's in yeah. Drax's head. So that's only more, you know, obvious. Uh, Is he becoming indoctrinated? <laughs> um, yes. In, in Guardians of the Galaxy, in his own way. Wow. Um, well, so, well, well. so the thing I've been saying is that when when you've seen veterans coming back to Bioware after they left when things weren't good and you see someone like Mary DeMarley who could go anywhere she wants to picking Bioware that should at least make people confident that things are going well, Cause especially Mary DeMarley. That lady knows everyone in the industry. She, I'm sure before she took that job, she didn't just go in there blind. I'm sure she spoke to some people and said, hey, how are things going with that? Should I be a part of that? And she's there. So either they ponied up the most money anyone's ever seen in their life or <laughs> she had. It's probably both. Okay, so this is where we're going to turn on ultimate conspiracy theory, where we're going to wrap this up. Um, I will go into this saying that um, this is where the video part of the podcast would be very useful to you. Um, Someone on Twitter uh, pointed out something that was very interesting, I would say, to say the least. Um, I would say if you're watching this on mobile, turn up your brightness on your screen, because I know for me, I had to do that to see what we're about to talk about. Um, But this is our fun little wrap up uh, conspiracy hour here. Um, So Zane Jace on Twitter uh, posted this picture um, that I picked up on. And it's 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 hard to see at first because uh, you'll see uh, I actually responded with my uh, the the podcast account (laughs) with just a question mark. (laughs) And then they explain. And then we went from there. And so what they posted is this on the left is um, a, a very small snippet, um, a little part of a screenshot from the uh, the, the the relay uh, concept art um, within seven day. And then on the right side is a screenshot from the opening of Mass Effect one. And what they're showing and, and I'll, I'll let in seven back me up or not is both of them show well on the right is from Mass Effect one. It's the reflection of Shepard in the window from the opening cinematic where you briefly see a reflection of Shepard, specifically Shepard's in seven stripes in the window. And then on the left is the art from the bottom of the blog where it appears to some eyes to be 
a similar reflection of two white stripes with a red red stripe in the middle. Um, and it's located, if you're looking yourself, in the bottom left near the text that's on that concept art from the blog. Um, for people who are watching, you will see my beautiful Microsoft Paint skills in, in action here, where um, I, I have the original, this is the original picture here, where to me, on my monitor, it's pretty clear. I can see it pretty clearly. Um, and then I did mess around with some exposure and contrast um, to try to expose it a little bit more. Um, and then here's my beautiful Microsoft Paint art. Um, maybe not the most convincing thing on earth, but um, I made that post tagging Mike Campbell and it's grown significantly since uh, we even started this recording, um, basically tagging Mike Gamble saying, hey, uh, does Zane Jace, are they on to something here? Um, this appears to be a reflection of N7 armor um, in the new art and it's referring, it kind of looks like the Mass Effect 1 opening. Um, Mike Gamble has yet to respond. Um, God, man. Big surprise. It, Come on, it's the weekend. We've reached out to Mike Gamble, and he has yet to reply for a request for comment. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I need you here for. So, will you at least you see this right, even oh, if it's completely sure. made up? Now, what I've, a few people have responded to me. If you go through all these responses I've gotten, and a few people have said that um, it may not be a reflection, but if this is surveillance, maybe it's a reflection on a monitor. So, so, so someone with those colors is looking at a monitor and this is the reflection because I will go back quickly that on the original art down there, you see there are like weird distortions and stuff. Uh, and if you watch the video, especially that, that maybe these are reflections in other parts of, you know, these yeah. are other reflections off of the screen um, because people were trying to explain all these little marks and stuff and being like, Oh, it's, it's high. It's like invisible ships and stuff like that. Or but then after flares. Yeah. Yep. But then after they pointed out this stupid stripe, I can't unsee it now. It's driving me crazy because, uh, and something that you and I were talking about before the podcast, this could be 100% them just poking at us, just being like, yeah, you gotta notice it. It means nothing. We're just messing with you. It's a big red herring. Um, I don't know. What does this do to you? What does this say to you? No, I, I don't think that they would mess with us to that extent. And, and again, as much as I want this to mean that Shepard's alive, it could just be a different N7. Shepard's not be. the only N7. Um, and it would make sense for an in, if there was a Systems Alliance operative who was deep undercover and couldn't even reveal how they got the footage that they did, it would make sense why the Systems Alliance framed that as an intercepted message. So if you're going to be sending your spies out to check on possibly Cerberus construction efforts on a big piece of technology that the rest of the galaxy shouldn't know about yet. And the Alliance is concerned about how that's going to make humanity look. It would make sense to send an N7 operative to do this kind of clandestine work. But what if that N7 was a specter? Now, just hear me out. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, no, but it's... you're right. It would also make sense for the N7 to be a specter. However... At the end of the day, like you mentioned, Zane tweeted this reflection with an identical looking reflection in the glass of the Normandy's window from the very beginning of Mass Effect 1. But as we talked about before, that mm -hmm. wasn't there in the original Mass Effect 1. It was there in Legendary Edition, that reflection mm -hmm. of the N7 and And of course, we know from that clip, that was most certainly the reflection of it in seven stripe it's shepherd looking out the window in the beginning yep. so yep. 
it's it's at least this was like the icing on the cake for me if i have to be totally honest even if it amounts to nothing even if it means nothing like this was such a keen-eyed pickup in my opinion to notice this because i i was looking at these stupid numbers and all this stuff endlessly trying to figure out what all this stuff meant completely now i did see there is something interesting on here that other people have pointed out that there's pretty obviously um there's something right here. If you see the four dots mm-hmm. that, that, that it, to me, it looks like it's like a ship underneath the clouds and that's Could its be. four engines or something. And someone was like, oh, that's just reflection from that engine. I was like, I don't think so. Like, maybe, maybe it is. I have no Could idea. Be. I mean, but this there's a number of glares on this entire image that would yep. make sense if the footage was taken from behind a glass window. Yep. So uh, I think that's a fun way to kind of to go ultra conspiracy theory here at the end. I don't know. I think it's fun. And obviously, for my own personal desires, it's kind of exciting with the things that you can assume. Um, The last thing I was going to do, I can't remember, um, is just looking at Gamble's uh, uh, replies from that day. I don't think there was anything that we didn't talk about already. Um, The the NASA shout was pretty cool. Um, that, That was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, here is the, oh, (laughs) oh, weird. Okay. So this was, oh, what did I say? This was in, uh, response to, oh, that's so frustrating. Um, I can't remember what we talked about. Uh, well, that's a bummer. That person decided to freaking bounce on us. Um, yeah, I don't see anything else that seems too significant. So um, I guess that is where we can kind of start to wrap things up. Um, so after reliving all of it, I, I know we kind of briefly spoke on it. Um, like, what was your kind of overall review or feeling on uh, on the whole in seven day release? We got a lot of cryptic clues that I never expected. I expected kind of just one poster. And it makes me think about how many details we missed from In 7 Day last year. Uh, and I, again, like you said, we're going to look back on this four years from now and be like, how could we miss this? But I takeaways, if you're just looking for the takeaways about, okay, enough conjecture, enough speculation, what do we know? We know the game is in pre-production phase. We know it's going to be single player. So that doesn't necessarily preclude a Mass Effect 3 style, um, you know, uh, like, multiplayer, optional multiplayer mode. But sure. it does mean, in my opinion, that that it's not going to be multiplayer based like No Man's Sky. Co-op, it's not going to be yeah. multiplayer based like uh, Fallout 76. Mm-hmm. I think they are leaning into what they know the fan base loves. And from a business perspective, that makes sense. They They need to they need to hit this out of the park because if they mm-hmm. don't, the entire IP might be lost. And every time I see an Andromeda, like Andromeda fans and trilogy fans getting mad at each other about their theories and all that, um, I, I try to tell people every time, like, hey, say this is a Milky Way game that maybe brings in a little bit of Andromeda stuff. If you want an Andromeda sequel, you want this next game to be amazing. You want this game to be so good that they can't help but make a sequel to Andromeda or whatever. Maybe a, a, a next game that brings everything together if this doesn't already. Um, but every time I see people getting tribal about it, I'm like, look, no matter what this next game is, if you want more of your stuff, then you want this game to be amazing, no matter what's in it. Because... If this game isn't really good, I don't know what's going to happen to Mass Effect. Um, and I think Bioware is in that mode in general, even with Dragon Age. 
um their star wars game seems like it does it's a cash cow on its own it seems like um but uh but yeah so 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 we know you know we know what we know um do you have any other thoughts on that you know i think it makes me think back to that mass effect trailer the cinematic one that came out two christmases ago i believe where Liara picks up the N7 uh, chest plate, I believe. Or no, it's, is it the chest it's plate the, or the, the helmet little headpiece. Mm-hmm. Headpiece. And she dusts it off the snow, and we see what was later confirmed to be a dead Reaper. Mm-hmm. And I was, terrified, I was terrified <laughs> after that 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 would seemingly indicate that it was an interqual where they were looking for Shepard's dead body. I think we know enough now to conclude That's, that yeah. this is not going to be an interqual it is going to be a sequel i'm not sure how far of a sequel in the future it is sure but it's not going to be a prequel either but it also makes me think that trailer back then having there's no way that they would have done enough on the game for any of those images to concretely mean anything about the story of the next game that was a I big symbol it was a big I, it symbol, was a symbol mm-hmm. sim, it was just hearkening images that we all found familiar and they were letting us know it's going to continue happening mm-hmm. with the exception of, I think putting Liara in there was on purpose because I think obviously maybe mm-hmm. they knew at that point, Liara is going to have something to do with the next mass effect. So. Cause I believe it was shortly after that, that Hillis, the voice actress confirmed that she was on the next game. Like, yeah, like they definitely, but in hindsight, as I've seen people try to figure out what planet that trailer took place on, they've tried to figure out like, well, that can't be, it can't be Shepard because his, why would his head piece be there? I, I I think for me at this point, I've gotten to the point where that whole trailer is just symbolic to me. They're trying to make you think about N7. They want you to think about Shepard or N7 or your memories of the trilogy or whatever. They want you to see Liara and see her smile. And you want that big musical, you know, upbeat to like give you chills every time you see it. Like it might still do to me. And <laughs> they, they want to evoke feelings, but they probably weren't telling us anything specific because they probably didn't know yet they, they, they probably yeah. didn't have specifics yet um so yeah i think you're i think you're dead on with you know there's very few things that we know know but i think everything we know know is good at least for me and then there's a whole bunch that we can guess about yes absolutely so. Okay, well, an hour and a half. I think that's a pretty solid. Um, uh, I think we uh, had some fun there and uh, had some good progress. So um, uh, that's where we're going to wrap things up. Um, if you would please let anyone who, who's listening know how they can um, touch base with you and what kind of content you are currently working on. Sure. So uh, as I mentioned, I just completed my first FemShep run on this past in seven day, but I am not done with Mass Effect, not by a long shot. I'm going to be streaming more Mass Effect on Twitch, you can find me at N7 The Legend. And of course, I uh, host with Tom, aka Robots, the Mass Effect Lorecast. We are more of an a encyclopedic knowledge of all of the lore of Mass Effect than we do speculation. So if you're interested in just kind of satiating that Mass Effect fix that you need to get by, I think that we make things a little bit more interesting than just reading the codex. So, I, I will I will pump you up a little bit. You, they just recorded an episode with Mark Meir, and yes, it was very very good. I was I really enjoyed listening to that. So uh, come for the lore and stay for Mark Meir. <laughs> yeah, and he had a luscious uh, mane. Oh my recorded. god! I can't tell Beautiful. you how excited I was when I was waiting in the Zoom call with Tom, 
and then the anticipation building up, up to it. And then Mark Muir joins, and I was like, oh, holy shit. You know, I'm a, I'm a day one fan for Mass Effect. I bought this game way back in 2007, and I was 14 years old, ex- you know, staying up all night, exploring the planets with my, you know, hero, Commander Shepard. And so getting to meet the voice behind the hero was surreal to me. And it's even better to know that he is a nerd just like all of us. And he He's loves the Mass Effect universe. Such a kind human being. He's so sweet. To. Yes. He, and, yep. and he let us know a few key details uh, in that episode that I never knew before. Such as, you know, he did all of the uh, like like the alpha voicing for the uh, alien races in Mass mm-hmm. Effect before he was cast as Shepard. Mm-hmm. And the very first Solarian he voiced, he modeled it after Steve Buscemi. So Okay, I, didn't, of, I, I missed that. That's hilarious. So all of the Solarians in Mass Effect have a certain Steve Buscemi quality to them because of Okay, that. sure. It's also because of Mark Muir, he told us, he patented the Volus Wheeze. He just oh, he, there was no special effects. He just did. The I hate I hate it so much, <laughs> but I, I respect it though. That's hilarious. So, so, if you're if you're curious about more of the Mass Effect uh, lore cast and the Mark Muir interview, please you can find it on any uh, any place you listen to your podcasts. You can find it Mass Effect lore cast, uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at in seven the legend. And thanks so much, uh, Bond, for having me on again and being able to, to nerd out and talk at length about all of the stuff that we we saw this in seven day yeah for sure and i'll have you back when we have more to talk about and uh, i thank you very much for for coming on of course thanks man okay well that was it uh in seven legend uh great per usual um he does have his own stream uh he has uh the mass effect lore cast podcast links for that will be down in the description i want to thank uh him so much for coming on again uh, i hope to have him on once there's more news to talk about uh, because I think we were on the same wavelength, um, but we disagreed just enough that it makes it interesting, in my opinion. And um, yeah, I really appreciate him coming on. So uh, make sure to subscribe to this channel or uh, subscribe to the podcast if you're on podcast platforms. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave a comment down below with what you thought of the show, um, with any questions you have, and uh, any of your own theories. I'm happy to hear them. Um, that's, uh, about it for that. Uh, catch me on, uh, Twitter at Bond Diesel. Um, uh, you can catch me on Twitch, uh, at twitch.tv slash Bond Diesel. And, um, that's it for this one. So until next time. I'm gonna go get some more.